0: a series called The Doubters Club, and we're talking about what it looks like when you just deal and struggle with doubts. So for those of us who are uh, followers of Christ, this message and this series is a little more uh, apologetics, leaning into apologetics, which is just a fancy word to say. It's the art of defending the Christian faith. Sometimes you have people that will tell you things, and it's like, why do we believe what we actually believe, and what we believe, is it actually true? And so we talked about what doubt looks like. Last Sunday, we uh, discussed the idea, of, is God real? And today we're going to answer the question, is Jesus the only way to God? As a matter of fact, it's been, it's been a minute since this has happened, but many of y'all can remember when Oprah Winfrey had her own talk show, she famously said that there cannot possibly be, Jesus is not possibly the only way to God. And it doesn't matter how many cars she gives away, right? She felt like there's no way, there can only be one way to God. So how do we really know if Jesus is the only way? I mean, surely there are multiple paths, multiple different faiths to be able to get to God. There was a man named Paul who I think his story is just truly powerful, someone who was an anti-Christian, became a follower of Jesus, one of the greatest church planners and missionaries that we know of today. And he taught that there was a resurrection, in other words, that people could die and then rise from the dead. And he taught specifically that Jesus was the one to rise from the dead. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15 He's writing to a church and I'll just wanna walk through a few verses here because as we go back, we know this, is Jesus the only way? Jesus himself said this in John 14, I am the way. He's telling this to Thomas, who's known as the doubter. Jesus says to him, Thomas, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to the Father, God, except through me, Jesus. So Jesus explicitly said he was the only way to God. And so with that, we dive into 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 12, it says this. So Paul says, but tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there will be no resurrection of the dead? In other words, there were people that didn't believe that Jesus could actually rise from the dead. He says this. Um, for if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is youth, useless and your faith is useless. What he's saying is if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then faith is just a waste of time. It's a waste of time. Think about it. You took your hour out of this morning. You got ready to show up to church or maybe you're trying to get something out of it or whatever. And what Paul is saying is if Jesus really didn't rise from the dead... This is a waste of time. Our preaching is useless. He continues on in verse 15, and then he says this, and we apostles, apostles were people who actually saw Jesus, he says, we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. So he says, so then if Jesus really didn't rise from the dead, he's like, I'm a liar. And not only am I a liar, every single apostle is a liar. And then you fast forward to all these 2,000-some years later, it would make me, as someone who was a pastor, it would make me a liar. Because I believe that Jesus rose from the dead as well. And what he's saying is, we're all liars. And we're purposefully leading people down a path of a lie. And I think and you can agree as well that if you were leading someone down the path of a lie, you would be wrong. And so here he says, hey, Are we liars? Are we someone that hasn't done this? And then verse 16 says, And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is useless and you are guilty of your sins. So is it if Jesus didn't rise from the dead? He says your faith is useless. Your faith means nothing. For those who like have a relationship with Jesus, he's saying that means nothing. Like if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, why do you have faith at all? There are a lot of people that don't feel like there is faith, right? He says, why would you have been faith? You're still guilty of your sins. In other words, you're still lost without Jesus. In verse 18, in, in that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Paul says, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we of all people... Are hopeless. And if our only hope for Jesus is just this life, if like Jesus is this pill that just makes us feel good for this life only, but it is only for this life, he says, of all people, we are to be most pitied. In other words, what Paul was saying is people who don't have a relationship with God can do whatever they want. They can live life up, they can be debaucherous, they can cheat, they can do whatever, they can just make as much money as they want, they can live however they want to. It doesn't matter. Because if God isn't real, why are we doing all this stuff anyways? Wouldn't you like to get that Sunday like You know what? Yeah, I don't even have to show up to church anymore. Why would I do this if God wasn't real? He says it's useless. It's like you're doing all of this stuff for nothing if Jesus never rose from the dead. But in verse 20, he says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, and he is the first of a great harvest of all who have died In other words, Jesus is saying, "But Jesus did rise from the dead, and he's the first one of many who will eventually rise from the dead as well. Uh, let me just share this with you. Jesus is real. Jesus was real. There is no reputable scholar today. It doesn't matter if they're a Christian or not. It doesn't matter how many letters they have after their name, it doesn't matter how many degrees they've pursued. No reputable scholar will deny that a man named Jesus lived everyone confirms there was a man named Jesus who was a real human being who actually lived in the time at which the Bible says that he lived. Now, the debate comes in, is that man Jesus God, and is he the only way to God? And a lot of this comes down to worldview. We talked about this last week that it, And it really just depends on how you view life. And if you just view life through, like, there is no God, God is not real. Or if you view life through the lens of, like, as long as you meditate or whatever faith you practice is fine, there's multiple paths of God. It really doesn't matter. You may not be able to see truth because you've just allowed yourself to be boxed into what is true. But Jesus said it's the truth that sets us free. Truth is truth no matter what you think about it. Now, let me share something with you this morning. I believe that the Denver Broncos are the best football team in all of the world, but here's the reality. We stink, all right? I mean, we stink. That is the truth. I have never been a part of a team where I felt like, you know what, maybe it would be best just to tank, you know? Like, I've never cheered for losing before, you know what I mean? But like, I'm kind of there at that moment right now. Let's just tear it all down and start all over, like... But truth is true no matter what you think about it. And you might deny that God isn't real, but it doesn't change the fact that it's true. And so what we want to talk about today is Jesus truly the only way to God. And so we're going to see this morning that there is no other way. And you don't have to believe it It doesn't change the fact that it's true. We're going to look at five quick thoughts this morning. And what I want to do is just give you quick facts. You got in your worship guide what we call this Dive Deeper section and I would encourage you this week, maybe as you're taking those notes, to like do that for your own personal devotions. Uh, listen, on a Sunday morning, there can only be so much that can be done. So if you're looking at this moment right now as your source for all spiritual nourishment for your week, you are starving yourself as a follower of Jesus. All right Just like every single day you know that you have to eat food so that you actually feel full and you can operate throughout the day without getting hangry. The same thing is true when it comes to your faith. You can't rely on this moment. You can't rely on me to just take care of you spiritually. You actually have to do the hard work of digging into God's word, studying and growing in your faith. It doesn't mean you got to be in it for hours on end. It just means like, hey, you also have to do your part. So I want to encourage you As we go through this, you can research some of this on your own. But I want to give you five truths on how we can know today that Jesus is the only way to God. The first thing is this, his death. We know Jesus is the only way to God. Why? Because of his death. Those same scholars that cannot deny Jesus was real, also do not deny that this man named Jesus actually died. Jesus actually died. He was crucified. Now, there are some people out there that will have you believe Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. Now, if you want to believe Jesus didn't die on the cross, you have to kind of think through what has happened here. It was the Roman government that put Jesus on that cross. The Romans were known historically to be great at executing people. Specifically, they were very barbaric. The reason why they killed people through crucifixion is because they could prolong the death process. They knew how they could draw out your death, and they knew how to kill you. The reason why they nailed the hands and the feet into the wood, into a cross, is because they knew at the angle which that had to happen, you would suffocate on your own lungs, to which you would have to pull up on the nails that are holding your body to a tree to be able to breathe. These men knew what they were doing, but even if you rewind before that, Jesus, it says in Scripture, was beaten with the cat of nine tails. And if you've ever seen The Passion of the Christ, you have an idea of what this looked like. It says in scripture that Jesus was barely recognizable as a man. They took that Jesus and they put him on a cross and there they, he stayed and there he died. We know because of the Sabbath uh, for the Passover was coming, uh, the Jewish leaders wanted to make sure that all those on the cross were dead And when they got to Jesus, they were going to break the legs of Jesus. Why? Because when you broke the legs of a person on a cross, they could no longer push up and get the air that they need, which means they would die by suffocation. When they got to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead and they took a spear and they jammed it into his side, pierced him. And it says in scripture that the blood and water flowed out, which symbolize this man is dead. He gave it all up. There is no way that that, Through everything that they know how to do in terms of murdering and executing people, that any human being could survive that. But some may say, well, you know, he's also God, so that's how he lived. Well, then you would have to believe that these disciples then took this frail, beat up body of Jesus and they were gonna have to show him that he was risen at some point. But if you just went through everything we just talked about, there's no way you would look like a hero. We know Jesus was dead. We know that he was died, and no one can deny the fact that Jesus truly died a brutal and horrific death. How do we know Jesus is the only way? The second thought is this, the empty tomb. We know through Scripture and through church history teaches us that there was a very wealthy man named Joseph of Arimathea who asked for the body of Jesus. He had a brand new tomb that was cut out. It was going to be for his family. And he gave it to the disciples and said, hey, we can put the body of Jesus here. Can I take the body and can we put it into this tomb? Now, there are people that would like for you to believe that someone stole the body of Jesus. Now, let's just think about this really quickly. First off, Jesus is dead. They put him into this tomb. And it says then in scripture that not only that, the Jewish leaders were afraid that the followers of Jesus would try to steal his body. So instead of leaving the grave open, they rolled a massive stone over the tomb. It took an army of soldiers to roll this stone in front of this tomb. When you read in scripture, there were some women that said what? As they were walking to the grave, they said to each other, how are we going to roll the stone to anoint the body of Jesus? So then not only that, it says in scripture that there were armed guards, Roman soldiers guarding over the tomb. It was their job. It was their duty and their obligation to protect the body in that tomb. You would have us believe that just some regular old guys could go up and take out Roman soldiers and then move the stone out of the way, then steal the body of Jesus and then hide it? Or if they had it, what would you do? Because what happened after that? They said Jesus was alive. And from there, a movement called the way, later to be called Christians, began to spread rapidly. What greater way than to squelch what this growing movement was than to reveal that the body of Jesus was still here? These Jewish leaders who hated Jesus, who had Jesus executed, if they truly had his body, would have said, we can squash this right now. Your Messiah, here's his body. The Roman government, who was not liking all the civil unrest that was taking place, could have been like, just can it. Pilate could have said, get his body and show him. Show the people that we have his bones right here. Could have squashed the movement right there. And if you want to say these people are not barbaric, just look at the news today. And you just watch and read stuff about the Middle East. And you tell me, do you think they wouldn't have a problem showing off a beat up, dead, broken, bloodied body? They would have no problem. But yet you can't show something you don't have. It was empty. And we know that no one has the body of Jesus. Why? Because he's alive. He's alive. Which brings us to our third thought this morning. How do we know Jesus is the only way? His appearance. His appearance. Jesus revealed himself after he rose from the dead. I think this is incredible. So we know Jesus, through scripture, was buried, put in a tomb on a Friday. The reason why we worship on Sunday is because that was the day Jesus rose. That's why we celebrate Easter on a Sunday. Jesus showed himself. He went down, was dead for three days, knocked death in the mouth, came back, was like, bam, I'm alive. Right, and he came back victorious. But here's how we know, because I want to rewind back in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul, at the beginning of the chapter, he says this. Listen to what he says in verse 1. Let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you will stand firm in it. This good news that saves you if you continue to believe it, the message I told you, unless, of course, you believed in something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important, what has been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins just like the scriptures say. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then the 12. Now I want to just point this out real quick. Paul immediately goes to Peter who's like kind of the head leader of the church Now, what's important is this, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we know that the first people to see the empty tomb were women. We know they were the first. We know that Mary Magdalene was the first person, a woman, to actually see Jesus. Let me tell you something. Women today are incredible. They're amazing. They can do all sorts of stuff. Like, there's no, like, there's no limits, right? In their culture, women, the testimony of a woman would not even stand in court You could have a murderer, a liar, and a thief. And if he was a man, his testimony would be taken over a woman's. The reason why that's important is you don't put that in the story unless it's true. Here's Paul, not in Jewish later, and not that he was like a bigot or whatever. Not that he was like, women are horrible. But he doesn't even like bring up the women. Because any man who could write out the woman in the story would. And yet it's included in the gospels because that's what absolutely happened. We know women to be truthful and honest, and these women, God used to be the first to see that Jesus was gone. And so then it says what? Then Peter went and saw, and then the 12 disciples saw. And then it says in verse six, and after that he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of whom are still alive, though some have died. He said, hey, and today, he said, you can actually talk to someone who watched Jesus ascend into heaven. Some of them at that point were still alive. Says, and then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And last of all, though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Paul says, I hated Jesus. I was on my way to go arrest followers of the way, these Christians, and I was going to have them thrown in jail and I was going to have them killed. But on this road of Damascus, I met Jesus face to face. He is alive. Now, you would want us to believe that all of what took place was one of the biggest lies to ever take place or it actually happened. You're having hundreds of people who have seen Jesus firsthand. We watched him be executed, and then we watched him alive, and we saw him with our own eyes. You can't just make up a lie that goes on for all of history as we know today. Here's our fourth thought. How do we know Jesus is the only way to God? The disciples. This is really important as we talk about the disciples The disciples, as we think of like Peter, James, and John, we think of them today, we're like, oh my gosh, they're the disciples. No, 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 no. These are the disciples. These were the same men, when they watched Jesus be crucified, they were hiding for their lives. Not only behind closed doors, locked doors. They were trying to protect themselves. They thought if they can kill our leader, they can kill us. So we're hiding here for protection. And all of a sudden... They see Jesus and he's alive. You know what happens to them when we read in the book of Acts? They became very bold because they began telling people about Jesus. He was dead, you killed him, and now he's alive, and we have no problem telling anybody that Jesus is real. They were threatened, they were beat up, they were thrown in jail, and they said, we can't help but preach Christ crucified. He's alive. Now think about this for a second. You want us to believe that Christianity spread from these kind of Backwoods, uneducated fishermen. Let's just call it for what it is. We live in the South. Let's have a little fun with this. <laughs> kind of like this. All right, y'all. Jesus is dead. All right. Now we need a game plan. All right. We need a game plan. Thomas, you always doubting. It'd be great if you go on record to doubt. Uh, Peter, you always putting your foot in your mouth. Why don't you go out there and just make some stuff up and, um, yeah, uh, so that body thing, like we fish, I don't know, we could, we could bury it, you know what I mean? Like we could bury his bones. And then I think a guy named Coach Prime said, Do you believe? And if we just tell people, Do you believe? they will believe. Do you believe the belief of our belief? And if we say that enough, they will believe too. Come on. These were uneducated men. You want us to believe they could outsmart. People who are smarter than them? You want us to believe that they could trick the entire world into a lie if it wasn't true? You'd have to be really just missing the signs to know that that actually happened. They actually saw Jesus. How could they get everyone to believe a lie if it wasn't true? I think this is really amazing. There's a guy named Charles Colson. Some of you may know who this guy is. He's a convicted felon from Watergate. As a matter of fact, when he was in prison, he had and found a relationship with Jesus. And he wrote in a book, and he says this, With the most powerful office in the entire world at stake, a small band of hand-picked loyalists, no more than 10 of us, could not hold a a conspiracy together for more than two weeks, take it from one who was inside the Watergate web looking out, who saw firsthand how vulnerable a cover-up is, nothing less than a witness as awesome as the resurrected Christ could have caused those men to maintain their dying whispers that Jesus is alive and Lord. Let me tell you something. If this was a lie, all these disciples except for John, who was exiled alone on the Isle of Patmos, who had to live out his life by himself. Every other disciple was martyred for their faith. Now, I'm not just talking like they were brutally killed. And if you have a lie, would you die for a lie? Maybe you say like, I would die for a lie, but not everyone. When it comes to giving your life, you would die for a lie? no. You would say, no, we're lying. We're t- no, this is the truth. Of all the disciples that die, as a matter of fact, Thomas the doubter, what we know through church history, he went further than any other disciples. As a matter of fact, they believe he went as far as India, where he was killed by a spear preaching that Jesus was alive, who died, and rose again. You only do that unless it's true. No one gives their life up for a lie. Which brings us to this last thought, how do we know Jesus is the only way? Because he said these things. Well, I think this one's the most powerful, your story. Jesus really lived, Jesus really died, Jesus really rose again. No other person in the entire context of humanity has ever meant more to mankind than Jesus. As a matter of fact, even Time Magazine itself said that Jesus was the most influential person who has ever lived or who ever will live. There is not one religion, uh, there is not one founder who has predicted their own death, burial, and resurrection and then actually pulled it off. Only Jesus is the only one to ever do that. And what makes Christianity different from every other faith is this moment right here, which comes back to your story. People can, de- can doubt God. And even through all the things we talked about, Jesus being the only way, they could still say, I don't believe it. God isn't real. But you know what they can't deny? Your story. They can't deny your experience. Can't take it away. People can deny God, but they can't deny your story. Because many of you know what it was like, your life before Jesus and your life after Jesus. It's totally different. That was my story. I was 20 years old in Bible college when I found out I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And the reason why all these years later, I'm in Gadsden, Alabama today, is because I just told God, like, I'm going to give you my life, however you want to use it. Because I know what it was like before I was lost, and now I have found you, I've experienced you, and I want to give my life living for you. And so many of you have experienced Jesus. You know what your life was like before, and now you know what your life is like afterwards. And you know what? No one can deny your story. I can't tell you your experience didn't happen. Do you know that? I can't say you didn't go through that. Me and my, my wife and I, for our 15 year anniversary this year, we went to Ireland, we had that experience. You can't take that away from me. I actually did that. You can deny it, but it actually happened. I experienced it. I felt it. I know what it's like. I went through it. And the same thing is true for you. When you experience Jesus, no one can say to you, well, that didn't happen to you. They can't deny your story because it's your story, which is so powerful. No one can deny your experience. I love what Paul says in Romans 1. He says, I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. The scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Jesus is the only way to God. Here's how we know. Paul, he writes it this way in Romans 5. He says, when Adam sinned, now this is important because as we go back to Scripture, we believe in what Scripture teaches. And we know that all humanity comes from one man, that one man being Adam who is created in the image and likeness of God. And it says, in Adam sinned, sin entered the world, which means what? Our world is broken today because of sin. The things that we do that cause us to be separated from God. Adam's sin brought death. The reason why you and I die is because Adam messed it up. And it said, so death spread to everyone. Why? Because everyone sinned. Every single one of us have sinned. Every single one of us have messed up. Every single one of us have lied and we're broken and we're flawed. And guess what? You're probably going to do something today. We're probably going to do something tomorrow or next week. Did you know, like, that's why you can't put, like, pastors and stuff on pedestals because we are people as well. We're human beings, and, like, our thoughts aren't always pure. Our, our, our actions aren't always pure, and we mess up just like you're going to mess up. Why? Because we have sin. Adam's sin, and it has flawed all of us. But then you go on in verse 15, it says, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, who? Jesus Christ. Verse 17 says, For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through who? This one man, Jesus Christ. The only way to God is through Jesus. He's the only way. See, when Adam messed up, that relationship we had with God created a barrier. Now there was man and there was God and there was no way to get to God anymore. You needed people, you needed priests who would sacrifice on your behalf for all your mess ups and failures. You would need a mediator to go between you and God and you would hope that maybe God would love you enough to accept you and graft you in. But when Jesus came, he said, I will be the final sacrifice, I will give my life, I will lay it down for the sins of what? The past? No not just the past. The sins of the present, no, not just the present, but the sins of all humanity, past, present, and future. He said, I will be the final sacrifice. I will lay my life down. And it says, and through my death and defeating death and now making a way for man to get to God through who? Through Jesus. That is the truth. And you don't have to accept that as true, but one day you will be held accountable for what you did with this truth. Romans 6 says this, for the wages or what we earn of sin is death. You know, just being alive, we deserve to die. There's not one moral person in here who's worthy to live. We are broken, flawed people. Look at humanity. Look what we do when we're left to ourselves. We're broken and flawed. We deserve death. But the free gift of God is is eternal life through who? Christ Jesus our Lord. We can have life through Jesus. So in this moment right now, God's love and mercy towards you is so great that he made this opportunity right here so you could hear that through God's gracious gift of his son Jesus as the final sacrifice, you can have a relationship with God. You can't be good enough You can't be generous enough. You can't have a moral compass great enough. You can't serve enough. You can't come to church enough. You can't do anything to earn right standing with God. But through Jesus, admitting that you're broken and flawed and believing that he died for you and receiving that gift, you can have a relationship with God To walk in the good works that God prepared for your life long before the creation was ever formed. He thought about you and he thought about a way and he thought about this moment where many of you will put your faith and trust in Jesus for the very first time. No magic prayer to pray, but from your heart to God's, you can have life. Why? Because Jesus is the only way. Let's pray.